because we have it all together or because we even know what we're doing because not even because we understand you fully but because we know enough to know that you deserve it that you are worthy that you are holy you are good jesus and we just want to declare that this morning we want to join the hosts of heaven in declaring that you are holy that you are the powerful one, not the enemy, not sin, not ourselves, but you are the one who reigns.
acknowledging that we are unholy and you are holy, holy, holy. God, we could never stand before you if it weren't for your blood. Yes. Okay. Man, that was beautiful. I I need to confess that when they <clears throat> were singing Spanish, I guess there is something about expressing yourself in your own language, right? I mean, it's been a blessing for me to speak English. It's been hard, to be honest with you. But I guess there is something about expressing yourself in your own language. And I'm, I'm like crying right there. I'm like, what? It's the same song. Why am I crying here? <laughs> so, wow. I, I would love to take credit for these ladies and these guys, but I have nothing to do with it, okay? I'm, I'm related to the, the ladies, and I'm friends with these guys, so maybe that, I hope that counts. But man, thank God for, for the skills that he has given us, right? That's a blessing. Can I ask all the kids to come forward here? Come forward. Come on, guys, come on. You can, you want to sit over here? Let's sit over here. It's easier. Over here. Anyone else? Yes. Nice shirt, my friend. I like it. All right. Okay. So, you know I walk a lot, okay? So don't, don't mind that I'm going to be walking like this the whole time, talking to you, okay? So today, I want to talk to you about something that is so important, that is a privilege. You know what a privilege is? You have no idea of that word? A privilege is something that not everybody can have or can do. Even though this privilege is free for everybody, but some people don't know that they can do this. And that is prayer. You know what prayer is? What is prayer? I forget. She forgot. That's okay. I sometimes forget too. Talking to God. Talking to God, that's correct. Anyone else? Having a conversation with God. That's beautiful. Having a conversation with God. Any other definition of prayer? Prayer? We good? Okay. Prayer is talking to God, with God. It's a conversation with God. Do you think that's amazing? 
It is amazing. It's beautiful. We're talking about the creator of everything. The one that created each one of you. Do you think he's powerful? He's super powerful. And he likes to have a conversation with each one of you and with each one of us. Now, God... Okay, that's a way to, to talk to God. But that, it's like basically a way to express ourselves. It's an expression to God. But there are other ways that we can express to God. For instance, when we obey, like you kids, you obey your parents, you're telling God, God, I love you. When you help somebody and you love somebody, you're saying, God, I love you. When somebody hits you or something or does something wrong to you and you forgive this person you're saying god i love you isn't it that awesome so that means that not necessarily of course you can and i think it's a good idea to say god i love you with our words and express ourselves with our mouth and say god i love you by the way we live our lives the way we behave and when we forgive somebody we're saying god i love you is that special that is so special. Now, there is something important about prayer. I feel like sometimes, me, personally, sometimes I don't want to pray. I'm being honest with you. Sometimes I don't feel like praying. Or sometimes I don't feel like reading the Bible. It's like, oh man, maybe you guys are not going to invite me anymore to, to talk here, right? Because I'm saying this. I'm just trying to be honest. And sometimes, sometimes I feel like, during my prayer, I need to be more honest with God, if that makes sense. Let me give you an example. Sometimes, this is a kind of a cute example. We've been trying to teach our son, Denzel. He's my son. Denzel, say. That's my son. That's Denzel. So we're trying to be, um, we've been teaching Denzel how to pray, you know, or, or to pray, to talk to God and express himself. And sometimes... Uh, funny thing is that at home we, we speak Spanish and English. So if I ask him to pray, he prays in Spanish. If Christy asks him to pray, he prays in English. So poor guy, his brain is just like boom, 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 going back and forth, right? So and the other day we were we were about to have breakfast, and I asked Denzel, Denzel, can you pray? And he said, okay. And he started to say, God, thank you for pancakes, and thank you for this day, and thank you for my scooter and thank you for um, thank you for the refrigerator and thank you for thank you for the tree and I'm like ah so he's praying what he's seeing and then he's saying thank you for tigers and I'm like do you see a tiger or what <laughs> but no he was just he just thought of a tiger and I'm like okay he's thinking just for a tiger I thought a tiger came into the house I was really scared and then I was like what kind of prayer is this do we pray for our tennis shoes? Do we thank God for our tennis shoes, for our, for our socks, for our shirts? Well, not very often, but that's actually kind of nice, right? Because it's given to us. All the things that you're wearing right now, it was given by God. Maybe through your parents, but it was given from God to each one of you, right? So, it is, it is a good thing that we all pray all the time. And by all the time, I don't mean that you need to pray the entire day. That you're eating and like, oh God, thank you for the food. Thank you for... Not like that. Right? But just, just pray. Have a life of prayer. 
express yourself to God. That is so important, and it's an honor to pray to. So, that being said, and I know you guys are honest, and that's something that I appreciate of each one of you. I want to ask for a favor. Can you do me a favor today? Yes? Can you do me a favor? I want you guys, I want you to remember each one of these guys here when you pray. And I want to ask you to pray for us. You know what? Sometimes when you become an adult, you see things that you didn't see when you were a kid. And sometimes those things are hard. And, and you might think, I mean, these guys all are, you know, taller than you are. Well, I'm a, I'm a bit taller, just a little bit taller. But you see we're taller and maybe stronger. And you see us like, oh, these guys are so strong. But we actually are just like you. Yes, we need God just like you need God. We'll need food like you need. We need water like you do. We are just like you guys. We have just lived more years than you. But we are the same. And we pray for you. I want to ask the parents of these kids, without looking at them, do you pray for these kids? Do you see your daddy and your mommy like this? You see them? It's because we pray for you. So I want to ask a favor from each one of you. Can you please pray for us when you pray in your day? Can you pray for us? Yes? Can you pray for us? Pray for us, please. Actually, can you pray for us right now? It's okay. You're not, you're not going to say anything. Just, just, just pray for us. Do you, wanna, you want them to pray for you? I want them to pray for me. Because they're going to be so honest. And let me tell you this. God listens not only to the adults, but to the kids. I would say that sometimes they are more honest than we are. Being honest. <laughs> so if you, if you want these beautiful people here, little people that we have here, if you want them to pray for you, would you stand up? Just whatever comes to your heart. It doesn't need to be super special. Just you want to say something? No. No. Then say you want to pray for us. God bless people. God bless his people. Pray for us. No, you pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for our parents and thank you that we can have them and help them to be kind to us and not just do things that are not supposed to, that God doesn't want them to do and help us to be kind to them and do Jesus' name. Then you want to pray for us? No? Do you want to pray for us? Do you want to pray for us? You want to say something to God? Say something. I can't pray. You want to pray? I can't. You can't. Okay. You want to say something? Just say something to God. No? It's okay. Thank you. Well, thank you, kids. You can go back to your seats.
Thank you, Ali. Christy, Jessica, Carrie, Preston, thank you for uh, leading us uh, in our time of worship, leading us in a lesson for the kids and for us. A few announcements for this morning. If you have your bulletins, there's a few in there. As always, we uh, have a lunch following the service. Please stay and enjoy that with, with us and enjoy that time of uh, fellowship. Um, also, as always, there is a prayer meeting here Saturday mornings, 7 a.m. for whoever wants to come. Invite your friends, neighbors, just an informal time of prayer, just meeting together and uh, seeking the Lord, praying for each other. That's Saturday morning at 7 o'clock. Anyone's welcome to come to that. For those of you who are uh, regulars here, you've probably noticed we've made a bit of a change in our media platforms. Uh, we have a, a messaging group, and we had been using the Viber channel for that. Uh, as a ministry team, we decided to switch that up a little bit. We've moved over to WhatsApp. And the uh, reason for that is it's used a lot broader, especially internationally. We communicate with a lot of uh, churches and people internationally, internationally as well. And it's just uh, a lot easier to do it all on one platform. So you may have seen that uh, if you're on those channels, you've seen the announcement that we're switching platforms. I started up the, the new one on WhatsApp. I believe I've added most of the people that uh, regularly attend here, and if I haven't, it's probably because I don't have my contact in your phone, so if you haven't been added to that, please contact one of the ministry team. We'll make sure you get on there, and it's not just specifically for regular attenders here, but if, it's, if you have fellowship with us and you like to keep up on our announcements and encouragement and stuff like that, uh, just attending regularly is not a prerequisite for uh, being on that communication channel. You're still welcome to uh, ask for that and, and again, address uh, Phil or any one of us on the ministry team and we'll see about adding you to that communication channel if you'd like. In the back, there's... Uh, Coffee, tea, water, anything to uh, help you stay awake and uh, participate in the rest of the service. And uh, Phil is going to be uh, bringing the message this morning. Before we turn that over to him, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time here together this morning. I thank you for the blessing that our worship time was an encouragement to each one of us, I believe. We pray, most of all, Father, that it was acceptable in your sight and pleasing to you because we want all honor and glory to go to you. All of our worship is to you. It's not just about our own feelings, but we want it to be worship to you and to you alone. So I thank you for this time that we've experienced already this morning. I pray that you would Bless our brother Phil as he speaks your word this morning, that you would help him to speak the things that you have 
for us today and that we would hear your word and that we would be doers of your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Open the word. Uh, can we just take a moment to pray for Brother Dwayne? Uh, where did he go? Uh, let's just take a moment to pray for him and his health. Uh, just some things that uh, he's struggling with. And, and so, is that okay, Brother Dwayne, that we just pray for you? Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we lift up our dear brother. We pray that you would. Uh, bless him, that you would strengthen him, Father, that you would encourage him as he, as he walks through some of these health issues, Father. I just pray that you would strengthen his inner man with all might, Lord. Through the Holy Spirit, strengthen him and encourage him and let him be rooted and grounded in your love, knowing that you will never leave him nor forsake him. And give him wisdom, Lord, as he relates uh, to his physical body, we do pray that you would touch him and heal him and bless him, Lord Jesus, as he, as he surrenders his life to you, uh, even in this area, and trusts in you with all his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, Brother Kent, can we thank the Lord for you and, and the, the job offer you got? Um, we've been praying for, for Brother Kent. Uh, he's been applying at different places uh, for work, and, and the Lord blessed. Do you want to share a little bit? Well, I want to bless you, brother. I mean, a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, when, you, when we first got to know you, you walked in here with a neck brace and I think maybe even a walker. And, and after Kent had his stroke, he, um, you know, you went through a lot of physical therapy and you pushed through all of that. And, and, and you inspire me, brother, because all of us have difficulties in life, right? Even as children, you have things that are hard. Maybe it's school, which you love, right? All the children love school, right? That's difficult, huh? But you bless me, brother, because you push through that. And I see you continue to push yourself and not just kind of give up and become a couch potato and a bum off of other people. And, but you push yourself and you keep uh, putting yourself out there to, to uh, you know, make the best out of the life the Lord has blessed you with and and the challenges that you face. So thank you for that example. I just feel like this morning we should glorify the Lord because God has done great things for you. And the Lord wants us to rejoice uh, with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's one of, the, one of the words of scripture, of direction that a church gets to experience with each other. So Father, we come to you and we just bless you for our brother. I thank you for my brother Kent. And how the Lord, you have given him grace in every trial of life and especially as he suffered through the strokes uh, that he's had and the, and the health issues, Father, that he just continued to trust in you but to continue to persevere under trial. And, uh, and even now continues to reach out and, and uh, reach for those things, Lord, that you set before him so he can supply for his own needs and continue to be a blessing to others. And we pray this morning that you would uh, just receive glory and honor, that you would shepherd him into this new job, that you would give him grace, Lord, for the work that you have set before him, that it would be an enjoyable work, that he would 
be, uh, know that, that you're there supporting him and watching over him and that he would be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. You're welcome. I, uh, as, a, as I get to know uh, God's children in numerous different ways, I'm always uh, encouraged and blessed when I see that there was a time when we could do things, especially as adults, perhaps excel in things, and then the Lord brings different seasons in our life. But those different seasons in our life turn out to be a blessing to others and enrich others' lives. And that's what the Lord presents to me as a uh, continual encouragement through your lives. And you're one of those lives, Brother Kent, and I want to bless you for that. You may turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And as we open up the scriptures, uh, I wanted to just share an announcement to you. Um, which many of you already know, but just to kind of clarify, uh, the Lord has been working among us as a church in the last couple of years that we've been uh, meeting here a little over two years now. And, and as the Lord has been giving gifts to us, we've been ministering that both to the body here and to the community in which we live and serve. And so just for that clarification, I wanted to share a bit of a vision that the Lord has given for us as a church in going forward and encouraging and establishing that work that God has done among us. And so our vision as a church is not necessarily that we have a, 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 a few men or one or two people who do all the work in the church. No, our vision is that what the scripture says and what I'm going to read to you today is a reality among us. And the Lord is doing that faithfully with, with us. And I, I for one, am, am just blessed and honored to uh, serve the Lord together with you in this way. Uh, and so coming June 5th, the Sunday of June 5th, the first Sunday in June, we plan to have an ordination. And what... The way we see that and believe that the Lord has laid it out for us in the scripture is we simply appoint the men who've been serving among us in this way, in a public way, by the laying on of hands. Uh, we pray over them and bless them in this ministry. Uh, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, when Paul is addressing Timothy and his ministry to the churches, and he talks about men appointing men as both elders and deacons in the church, he says very clearly, let these first be tested and then let them serve in the office of a deacon, specifically there. But that, that testing, I believe, is very important in a church. In, 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 some, in Christianity, you see the church run much more like a business where there's a, a board of directors and they hire and fire pastors. Uh, they pretty much run the church as a business. And the pastor operates much more as a CEO of a company. Our vision is different here. We're not condemning that. Our vision is just different. What I believe that the Lord is leading us as a church to experience is what I, wanna, what I see in the book of Acts and the direction that I see the Lord giving us 
for gifts and exercising the ministry of Jesus Christ among us and in the community, my heart is to model this, the scriptural principle that he lays out to us. I don't see that in the apostles, in the book of Acts, after the Holy Spirit came down in Acts chapter 2, with all of those who were in the upper room, those 120 people who were filled with the Holy Spirit, even though Peter became the primary speaker, after they left the upper room, and the Holy Spirit came down on 3,000 souls, and filled Jerusalem with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, you don't see a board of directors and a CEO of the company and it's structured like that in the scriptures. And so our heart is to do it as we see it in the scriptures. So these men have been serving among us now for uh, over a year and a half. We've been serving together as what we call the ministry team here in the church. And the reason we call it the ministry team is because the word ministry simply means to serve. A minister is the word to serve another. And I believe that that's what Jesus taught us very clearly in the scriptures. He said, you want to be the greatest in the church? Volunteer to serve. The greatest among you shall be the slave of everyone. That's what he taught us. That's true Christ-like ministry in his church. And... So we see that principle of serving one another, and we see it done voluntarily. I want to share a scripture with you that I find inspiring and instructive. In Psalm 111, the Lord is, God is prophesying, I'm sorry, Psalm 110, Psalm 110. This is a prophecy of Jesus Christ and that of the New Testament ministry of Jesus' life in the church. The reason that I know this for sure is Jesus quoted this as he was ministering and serving. Psalm 110 says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. The Lord will stretch forth thy strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of thine enemies. Jesus, as king, is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. Ruling in the midst of his enemies. How? Through Zion, the church. And how is he ruling in the church? How is his power displayed? Here it is, verse 3. Thy people will volunteer freely in the day of thy power. In holy array from the womb of the dawn, thy youth are to thee as the dew. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Thou art a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at thy right hand. He will shatter kings in the day of his wrath. He will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he will lift up his head. The day of Christ's power is experienced in the church through volunteer men and women. 
That's the greatest power on earth. And you notice this in the book of Acts. Was any one of them not a volunteer? They all were volunteers. And they volunteered their ministry and their life to Christ. Their bodies as living sacrifices. And we read about the power that God triumphantly rose up over the devil and crushed his head. As Paul says in Romans 16, I know that Satan's head will shortly be crushed and put under your feet. And look how it shook the world, right? Changed nations and still does. Read church history and see how the volunteer spirit of God in His power works itself out in men and women who gladly give their lives for the kingdom of heaven. And I want to bless you brothers who have been serving this way uh, together with me in the last year and a half here. We have four men who have been serving as deacons here in the church. And um, that's John Ash, uh, whom I call dad. He's my father-in-law, and most of us call Papa John. Uh, it's Anthony Stolzfus, and uh, Brother Dave Yoder, and then Brother John Schroeder are the four brothers who've been serving in the deacon role. And the way we see a deacon's role in the church is uh, clearly worded to us in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 2, Titus 1 and 2, um, where a deacon, it takes care of the practical needs of the church. And no matter how small or how large the body of Christ, the local body of Christ is, that ministry is necessary. And you see this also in Acts chapter 2, even though the word deacon, which is actually a Greek word for just meaning to serve, um, wasn't specifically noted there. There was a need in the church. It was to serve the widows. And that need was not being met. And so they appointed six men to take care of that need in the church. And what always blesses me is the need was met. And those men, you'll notice were needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit even to meet that practical need. Why do you think that is? I'll tell you what I think. Because they needed heavenly wisdom from above to minister, even serve widows in their food, in their practical needs from house to house, as they quietly ministered this, they needed heavenly wisdom. They needed to be led by the Spirit, or else it would just simply turn into a good social work. And it would meet their spiritual needs. You see, our need is always more than physical. Our need is spiritual, and especially so with widows and widowers. They're suffering much more pain than just needing food or a tire changed on their car or the oil changed. They need spiritual support and strength, spiritual encouragement. That is a strong, necessary, needful ministry in any church. And it's not only contained to a local body. It is to share with the body of Christ in this community and abroad. And so 
I've just been blessed and honored to share and serve this way with you brothers. The other two brothers that will be appointed and officially ordained to the work is Brother Kerry to uh, his gift and calling as a youth pastor. And I've been so blessed with uh, Brother Kerry who's been ministering this way now for actually probably over four years and in some ways involved in this ministry for many years. Um, has, the Lord has given him a burden and a gift to minister to young people. Again, not just locally in the church. In fact, mostly not many of the young people who carry and serve at a, encourage and, and um, build up and minister to actually don't attend this local church. They, they live throughout the community here on the front range. And we've seen the Lord take that burden and that, that work is a very necessary work. And the reason I believe it's so important that it deserves public attention like this is because when you read church history and you just look around at churches today, you see a gap many times, a gap in generations. There's a generation that knows God, that walks with God, that sees and experiences the power of God in their personal life and in the church. And many times, just like Joshua, when that generation dies, it's gone. And it's a history, a story for the history books. And the generation that comes up doesn't know God that way. And I believe that Jesus weeps over this in his church. Not a local church, his church on the earth. Like he wept over Jerusalem. Remember when Jesus came to Jerusalem? And he looks over the city and he begins to weep. And he says, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I wanted to bring you in like a mother hen does her chicks. You wouldn't. And so often, I love church history, and so I'm an avid reader of church history. I hope you are too. And if you're not, I strongly encourage you to become a student of God's awesome ways throughout the generations of mankind since He created us. That is church history. It's actually not church history, it's God's history with men and women. Who walk with their God. Like Enoch. Who walked with God. And was not. Oh. This is the one predominant thing. That you notice. If you read church history. It's almost like it skips a generation. Every time. And as I study that. And I wonder. Why Lord? Why? Because God's word says. God's promise is he is faithful from generation to generation. And his new covenant promise in Hebrews chapter 8 and in other places is that he will write his word on their hearts and their minds from generation to generation. He will do it. In Ezekiel chapter 36 he promises that. He'll give them a new heart. He wanted to do this with Israel, but Israel would not. And then the Lord speaks to me and says, it's not my fault. It's they would not 
And I realize that so many people who grow up in the church, in a generation, under a generation's care, who walks with God, they become calloused and hardened to the work of God. And they get distracted with the world. And other things enter their heart. Like Jesus said, the seed that fell on stony ground. Once your heart becomes calloused and God's work loses its awesomeness in your life. It just becomes a normal everyday occurrence. Then you begin to lose the power of God in a personal way in your life. And so to have a youth pastor who cares about that, who pours their life into it as Carrie and Sarah have done faithfully, is worth a public ministry appointment in the church. And not just that, oh, now they do it all. No, but that we all get together to do it with them. But God uses public appointment of ministers in the church to continue to give leadership and guidance and specific servant leadership from one generation to another. Oh, I tell you, brothers and sisters, I, I grew up as a preacher's kid. My dad served as an, as an elder pastor in a church before I can remember. I think I was maybe one and a half or two years old when he was ordained in the church. And I thank God that somehow the Lord wrote, didn't miss me, but he wrote that living word on my heart and he gave me that, that, that zeal and fire in my heart to walk with him and know God and experience the power of his living word in my life. And I believe with all my heart he will do it to our sons. He will do it to yours, you children, to the next generation, if we will. A promise the Lord gave me in Malachi chapter 4, some years ago, was the promise of the new covenant. You know, Malachi 4 is the last chapter written and recorded as the Old Testament. But it's a word pointing a prophecy to the New Testament. Turn your Bibles with me to Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogance and every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. And you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. Isn't that exactly what the ministry of Jesus did in Israel? It is. And John, the next man whom God raised up in Israel to preach, began with those words about Jesus. There stands one among you, he said. He said, I only baptize you with water. But there is one who is among you who will baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit. And that fire will set all the chaff in your life ablaze. You can read that in John chapter 1. 
This is the ministry of Jesus. And boy, did people skip or what? Yes, he came with healing and people were dancing when they left. Did anyone leave Jesus who was healed depressed? No. They left skipping and dancing and praising the Lord. Because Jesus came with healing in his wings. And when Jesus heals your heart from all the wounds you've suffered from your childhood till now, my dear brother, sister, depression will be gone. When that true healing comes into your life through the ministry of Jesus and burns up the chaff in your life and you surrender to him, yeah, you'll skip like a calf in the stall. I grew up on a little dairy farm in Pennsylvania. I know what that looks like. Do you know what that looks like? Have you ever seen a calf that has been in a stall and it's been there most of the winter, especially if they were born in the spring and they were in the stall and, 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 and all of a sudden it comes about April or May or the first nice day in spring and you open the gate and that calf bursts out of that gate and it goes out there and it is kicking and jumping and just doing its dance. Wow. I wonder what the spirits of God's people would look like dancing that way before the Lord. I tell you, they look like just like what they did when they experienced Jesus' healing power in their life. There they did it physically. Today we do it spiritually. And you will tread down the wicked. All of that wickedness in your life, instead of complaining about them, Instead of complaining about sin all around you, you'll tread it down. You will rise up over it and walk over it in victory of Satan and sin in your life. For they shall be ashes under the sole of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and great and terrible day of the Lord. And he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children. This is the fruit of this ministry. Do you see it? I was sharing with an old man yesterday, 82 years old. I love this dear old brother. The Lord connected us in the most amazing way, and we have coffee about every other week on a Saturday morning. But this is a promise the Lord gave me. And one of the reasons I, I'm drawing near to this old man is because I need to learn from the previous generation. I'm only 50 years old. He's 82. I want to sit at his feet and listen. He does most of the talking, by the way. Sharing God's marvelous works in his life all throughout his years. In childhood, in business. I shared this with him yesterday. That this is my promise. That I'm hanging on to. And I believe it with all my heart. And I declare it unashamedly. 
because this is the promise the Lord gave me for our boys and for the young people that we ministered to all around the world. Wherever I go and preach the gospel, there's always some young people there, some children. And as I look at their young faces, I say, Lord, you can light up their hearts if you do this. If you will turn and restore. This is a revival of God's spirit working among his people. Where does it begin? Daddy. Daddy. Your heart, Daddy. That's where it begins. My heart, Daddy. He restores the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the hearts of the children go, Daddy. Daddy. And that happens. Just like Romans 8. When we're adopted into God's family and His Spirit comes within us, what does it say? What do we say? The first words. Papa, Papa. Daddy, Daddy. Because He turned His heart toward me. And I say, Daddy, Daddy. All if we as dads, if we as this generation turn our hearts to our children and they know they have our hearts. They know they're not a nuisance and a bother, but we love them from our hearts. We may not be perfect. We're never going to be perfect, but we're heartful. Everything we do towards them and as we do life with them, we have our hearts set toward them. And they will know it. You know they'll know it. Because this is what will happen. God promised it to me and to you. Parents, you love from your heart, they'll call you daddy, mama. Their hearts will be drawn to you. And the fire of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of Jesus Christ that he gives to you through his word and the awesome works he does through you, through his word, in the church, around the world, saving souls, souls being born again, demons being cast out, wickedness being put underneath your feet. A victorious Christian life will be given to them because they have your heart. And God promised it. But you know the greatest danger for me, probably even more than any of you, because of my responsibility in God's church, is busyness. That's the greatest danger. Busyness. A distracted heart. Because busyness brings the cares of this world on my heart. And I begin, my heart goes after other things. Whether it's business or souls. God's business or man's business. That can distract my heart from my first responsibility. And they'll know what? They will know. If you, dad and mom, are too busy and can't love from your heart, they don't have your hearts anymore. And that's when we miss it. 
That's when it skips a generation. That's the only thing that will cause it to skip a generation. You see, it's not actually the generation's fault who skips it. It's the one prior. It's the prior one, the one who was busy. And this lesson is for us in the scriptures, dear brothers and sisters. Just look at the example of Joshua. That generation was so taken up with war and conquering the land that was before them and bringing, you know, starting a whole new life, farm work, homes, family, and going off to war that they lost the next generation's hearts. Samuel, who was a mighty prophet in Israel, his own children were corrupted by the time they were old enough to minister among Israel. They lost their heart. The warnings are all throughout Scripture to us. But the promise remains sure. And it's true. And God gives it to us. And there are many, many wonderful examples in the scriptures, in the book of Acts, where it did not skip a generation. And God is faithful to do it, to cause this to be true. So Brother Kerry's going to be one of those men who's appointed as a youth pastor. And the Brother Jason Yoder, who is regularly here leading us in praise and worship in the song, which is a... There's a wonderful ministry, a powerful ministry to a church. I often think of someone who, who takes on that ministry and is gifted for that ministry both in the local church and across the body of Christ. I think of Asaph. Anyone know who Asaph was in the Old Testament? Steve, who was Asaph? He was under David's ministry who was notably the greatest king Israel ever seen, whose kingdom has no end because Jesus Christ came out of his lineage, the son of David, and his kingdom will have no end. And you'll note something was unique about David's kingship ministry to Israel that no other king had. No other king. He had an Asaph. Did you know that? It's not recorded that any of the other kings in Israel, you can go through 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, and 2 Chronicles, who record the history of the kings of the nation of Israel. None of them had an Asaph. Not even one of them, like David did. And David, God said, was a man after his own heart. A man who wrote more scriptures about praise and worship than any other Bible author. And they inspire you today, do they not? And they should. Because in Colossians chapter 3, it tells us that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with praise unto the Lord. That's how the word of God richly dwells within us. Still there. David had an Asaph who was a praise and worship leader who wrote songs, who led God's people in praise. And God dwelt in the praises of his people, as he says. A noteworthy ministry. So these men, Lord willing, 
on June 5th, we will have them come up and we'll pray over them and publicly appoint them as ministers, servants of this local church and of the body of Christ abroad, wherever the Lord may lead them. And I just want to share that because it's noteworthy that even though we exercise this gift and they've been doing it for over a year and a half, the Lord has tested them in this work in many ways. And I want to just, Jason's not here today, so I just want to point this out about Jason because you all know how he's been tested in the last six months, right? with Laurie passing away. And he was exercising this praise, leading us in praise and in worship. And as when the Lord called Laurie, his wife, home, within like, what was it, Carrie, a month, six, six weeks, Jason was back up here, leading us in praise. If that isn't the Spirit of the Lord, nothing is. That is the Spirit of the Lord. That's what you call grace. Because you and I all know that when our spouse passes away and we go through such incredible pain in our hearts, there's only one thing we want to do, and that's dig a hole and bury ourselves and not get out of bed. Right? We just want to die. The last thing on earth you want to do after a time like that is get up and lead God's people in praise. But he did. Faithfully. The Lord raised him up and gave him courage and grace for that ministry. And to me, that was the witness of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I love this word in Hebrews chapter 2. And if we don't have this word... Let's just pack it up and go home because we're playing church. Seriously. I won't do church unless I have this. I'll just say, forget it. I'll stay at home and sing a few songs with my, my family. But when I see this, I want it's what brings me here. Verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to begin in verse 1. For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unadulterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also bearing witness with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. That is what gives this meaning and life to me, to you, to our children and keeps this from becoming a dead work. Something that means nothing, that gives you no profit. It's dead. And Hebrews later on tells us, cleanse yourself from dead works. Works with no life of God in it. That means I'm doing something to please God perhaps. Maybe it's a good thing that serves you, even my children. 
But there's no spiritual amen to it. God's witness is not in it. And did you know we Christians can have a lot of dead works? Good deeds with no life of Jesus Christ in it. And that's why it's so important that we're led by the Spirit. That everything I do is an act of obedience to Jesus. Because that gives it the life of Jesus. God bearing witness with it. This way. By signs and things that cause you to wonder. Wow God. How did I do that? How did you do that? And by gifts of the Holy Spirit. According to his own will. You know it's a gift. Not from yourself. Let's say any man should boast. It's a gift of God. And you can boast in the Lord. That's the only reason you can even do it. That's the only reason I can preach to you. Otherwise, it's a dead work that will give you no life from Jesus Christ, even though I preach the Word of God, which is a living and abiding forever Word of Christ. Otherwise, it becomes like this. All of our ministry whether it's to our children in our homes, or whether to each other as a church. And as I was praying and pondering this word, the Lord brought me to Ezekiel chapter 37. You can turn your Bibles with me to Ezekiel 37. Now before I start reading there, I want to give you the context of the previous chapters. If you go back to Ezekiel chapter 33, he begins to tell us that you, we, each one of us, have a watchman's duty. The watchman's duty is to look out for souls, for danger. And isn't that exactly what we parents' main responsibility is over the souls of our children? Is to watch out for danger. Whether it's a car going down the street and our two-year-old not even knowing it's any danger out there and he just wanders out. What would your parents do? If a two-year-old, if Denzel would, you're four, right, Denzel? All right, even a four-year-old. What if a ball went across the street and you went chasing that ball? Wouldn't you do that? If your soccer ball, your football would go out over the street. Oh, maybe daddy mama said already, don't go on the street. So you would stop. But you know what exactly what the motion was that Elise gave us there? He would see his son running out there. Grab him by the collar. Whatever it takes. Stop him. There's a car that's going to kill him. Wouldn't you do something? There's a devil in a hell waiting for your soul. What are you doing about it, parents? A devil walks about, 1 Peter chapter 5, as a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour today. Your kid's soul. He's going to get it. No doubt. There's a lion in the street. Called the devil. Today. What are you doing about it? Have you done anything about it? Or have you just gotten up? Busy. I'm running to work. Don't you know? i got to provide a living. What about their souls? You care? Have you done anything to protect your child? To be a watchman on a wall of their spiritual life. 
All I tell you, I love the story of Job, and to me it's a wonderful example of God's protection through a parent. Job, even when his children were adults, would get up every morning, it tells us, in Job 1, and he would pray for his children. Lest they sin that day. And there came a day when all of Job's children died. But Job had prayed. Job had prayed for them that day. I don't know about you, but my children are not going to die any other way. No. They're going to have been prayed for that day. And when I stand and I look at their dead body, and I meet you, and you give me a hug and comforting words, I'm going to know in my heart I was a watchman over their soul that day. And this is really precious to me because it happened to me. When I stood over our son's dead body, and Manny came and wept with us, there was a joy in my heart I cannot explain to you. A joy fulfilled in that word. Because every day, the Lord gave me grace, the gift of God, lest any man should boast, to be a watchman on Christian's wall. And today, I know he's in the courts of Jesus saying, thank you, Daddy, thank you. And one day I'm going to meet him, and he's going to wrap his arms around me and say, thank you, Daddy. It saved my soul. Though you could never heal, your prayers never healed my body. They saved my soul. There's nothing like that joy. Like John said, I have no greater joy than that my children walk in truth. It's where it starts in Ezekiel 33. You can read through it. And because he's a watchman on his wall... He experiences Ezekiel 36. And God's power of witness, Hebrews chapter 2, is true in Ezekiel 36. I will put a new heart within them. Hebrews chapter 8 happens. I will put a new heart within them. I will write my law on their hearts from every generation. And you, as well as the Father, to the children, all souls are mine, the Lord says. Oh, you should read these chapters. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Just continue the reading and you'll see it. But how's he going to do it? What's the result of it? This. Ezekiel 37. Then the hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. And set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. 
And he caused me to pass among them round about. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Has he asked you that, father, mother? Can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of God. I want to say, ask you, dear parents, dear watchmen on the wall, what are your children hearing you say? Have you heard the voice of Jesus tell you this? Prophesy. You speak words. Prophecy is clearly described to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He who prophesies speaks to men for edification, for consolation and exhortation. That which builds up, that which comforts, and that which exhorts is a coach. You can do it. Come on, you can do it. We went on a bike ride, the boys and I, yesterday to a trail down in Lyons. It was a little tough. And especially some of the parts were pretty technical. I kept telling Lukey, right, Lukey? You can do it. It's okay. Try it again. Real narrow part, big steep drop off off the end, trail only that wide, and you're on a bike. And he's seen Roscoe fall when, when Roscoe went with us one time over to another trail. And Roscoe had to come to a quick stop and put his foot down on the wrong side, the downhill side, and took a tumble right into all of the briars and thorns and what else was there? The cactuses. Got cactuses all over his neck. The rest of that day, Katie was picking him out with the tweezers. Very painful. There's a bit of fear there. A lot of cactuses around. But the voice of encouragement, even though he was a little discouraged at first, right, Lukey? It was a little intimidating. I get it. We got off and we pushed. But on the way down, he's like, that was fun. That was fun. That's prophecy. Have you prophesied to your children God's word that way? Hear the word of the Lord. Oh, I wonder how many preachers' children never hear that from their daddy. They hear him preach. But they don't on a regular basis hear these words from their daddy mama. Hey, son, daughter, hear the word of the Lord. No wonder there's so many dry bones around. Thus says the Lord God to these dry bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life, and I will put sinews, flesh, on you, and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, and as I commanded, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone, and I looked, 
And behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied. And as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. And he bearing them witness. All Ezekiel did was obey the word of the Lord when he said prophesy. And he did so. And God bore witness and brings life. Dear father, mother, we must believe with all our hearts, that when we obey God's word, God bears witness to his word to our children, to the next generation, in the church, to our communities, to the world that we live and work in, to our own hearts, in everything we do. And when you have that faith, God answers. I believe that with my whole heart. I wouldn't be here today. And I hope you do too. And if your faith has been a little weak in this area, my job today was just to, on your fire, to take that smoldering flax and blow on it and let it become a flame where you also experience Hebrews chapter 2 and Ezekiel 33 as you are a watchman over people, over the souls of your children. Not just the physical watchman, spiritual watchman, over your own heart. Paul said to Timothy, watch yourself and those who've been allotted to your care. And that's what the Lord wants to do through us. As a church, as we minister, serve each other, that we become those watchmen, who prophesy and God bears witness and there's no dead work among us because the dry bones come together by the word of the Lord spoken out of our mouths to each other and those dry areas become life the life of Jesus and the power of his word becomes life the word is made flesh and dwells among us and we behold the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? That's Christ in you, in me, the hope of glory. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for sharing the word this morning, Phil. His words can be your life, can be our life. If that's not your testimony this morning, it can be. It certainly can be. Thank you for joining us in our service this morning. I think we have a lunch that will be ready here shortly, so... Uh, Let's all 
stand to our feet if you can. This will conclude this part of our service, and we'll have a closing prayer and a blessing on our noon meal, and uh, we'll have a time of uh, fellowship. Thank you, Father, for being here with us this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come in worship and in praise and just come before you and to hear from you. Thank you for speaking to us through your word here this morning. And I pray that your words would bring life to each one of us this week on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, from moment to moment, that your words would be our life. I thank you for what you will do. I thank you for this food that you have provided for us, and I pray that you would bless it and bless our time of fellowship here this afternoon. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And you're dismissed.